today. As you uh, wrap up that Q&A today. <laughs> oh my goodness, crazy. Well, I want to first begin with, uh, I just want to know, am I the only one that wants to know, what was Terry doing at the women's retreat for? I'm still baffled by that part, but no, I love me some Terry. That's really awesome. You know, I feel like I'm in the dome up here, so I don't know if I need to get out on the floor or not, but uh, just check me out there. Uh, real quick, how's everyone doing today? Okay, you pick today to respond that quick to a question as simple as that. Usually when you ask someone how you're doing, the first thing out of your mouth is? Yeah, fine, good. It's not always true. Today's theme that I want to walk you through is somewhat of a participative type message today. So rather than me sharing this message and hoping you will grasp hold to the truth of the concepts that God wants us to learn today, I'm hoping you'll take ownership and actually apply it. Because it's like one of those scenarios when a wife asks a husband, how do I look in this? And that's one of those want to get away kind of moments, you know? Yeah. Or the police officer, the first thing he asks is, uh, do you know how fast you were going? Why does he ask me, do I know how fast I was going? Is it because he doesn't know? No, it's the same reason as parents, you ask your children, did you clean your room? You already know the answer. You're just giving someone else an opportunity to speak the truth. Is that for real? It's kind of interesting in life. We spend a lot of our time climbing what I like to call the corporate ladder. And in some ways, some of you have climbed the educational ladder or the corporate ladder or it could be the ministry ladder. It could be the fame ladder. And we stop asking the right questions along the way. When we were children around two, three, and four years old, I'm always marveled at the questions that little children ask. Why does Darth Vader talk that way? Why is the sky blue? Does the rock have feelings? Does the dog know how to talk in, in Chinese? Does a, you know, all these questions that just blow our mind, but we stop asking questions as adults. And somewhere along the line, when God gives a command, somehow we, we don't really ask the right question. We just say, okay, it's that way, and I don't really need to understand it. But it's that understanding which leads to ownership, which leads to your worldview, which leads to your behavior and complying with what God has called you to do. How many of you, show of hands real quick, are parents in here? Okay, have you ever had someone babysit your child? And you went to go pick up your child, and your child, for whatever reason, was like the incarnate demon seed of that evening. And for you, it's not just that your kid was acting poorly or in belligerent behavior. The embarrassment for you was as if you were the one acting out because their behavior was a reflection of you. As parents, you know what I'm, you don't understand what I'm talking about? It's your kid that doesn't really get it, but you get it because it's a public embarrassment. I want to read to you this very, very short, but simple, but direct, but profound ninth commandment. Exodus verse, chapter 20, verse 16 says, You shall not give or you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. I say that again. You shall not give false witness. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not lie. 
I asked you the first question out of my mouth today was, so how are you? And the first thing you said was good, but I'm not really questioning whether you're good or not. I'm just questioning whether that's actually the truth. Because the reality is, is we've become so robotic, we've practiced and rehearsed that response so much. It's what I call a level one conversation. Level one is for anyone that really I don't want to have any deeper level of conversation with. It's like DEFCON 5. It's way up there, right? Everything's cool. It's perfect. And you know what that's like. It's like, don't bother me right now. That's code for don't mess with me. I don't really want to back up my dump truck and dump out all my problems on your front lawn and have you sort it out. So how you doing? I'm good. And then you're still walking the other way. I'm good. Yeah, well, call me sometime. But we never engage. Or how about we say things like, I'll pray for you. Really? Well, then let's do it right now. Those of you who know me, I'll stop you right then and there. Let's stop and pray right now. Why? Because the reality is, is I'm liable to forget somewhere down the road. It's not that I didn't have good intentions, but good intentions don't really matter. I want to share something with you, which is kind of going to be the foundation for the remainder of our time this morning. And earlier this week, I was with a 20-something-year-old young man that I have an opportunity to disciple and life coach. And, you know, I've been with him for maybe eight months now. He said something profound to me, and and it blew me away because I, I felt like maybe... You've heard this before. He said, Egypt, I I believe in God. And there was that awkward pause, and I knew he wasn't done yet. He said, I believe in God, as long as he doesn't interfere in my life. Do you get that? As long as God doesn't interfere in my life, I believe in him. It's like the same God that, you know, on award night at the academies or the Grammys. I like to thank God. You've seen that before, right? I like to thank all my fans up there. Give me a hey, ho. And we go through the the drama and the dynamics of what we think God is. And somehow we belittle God's standard to just that, an idea. Convenient, whether I should obey or I should not obey. And then we overcompensate at time to time and we add guilt to the equation, which only further inflames the desire to live. You know, to lie, there's a movie, uh, it's an older movie, not too old, but a movie called Shooter, featuring Mark Wahlberg. There's a phrase in there that blew me away, and this is kind of the state of the union, particularly given today's landscape in America. One gentleman who played a Montana senator in the movie said, the truth is what I say it is. Maybe some of you have seen that movie, you know exactly the line I'm talking about. The truth is what I say it is. Well, if God says, do not lie, do not bear false witness against your neighbor, then what exactly is the point of not lying? And I want to go over a few things before we really get into diving and trying to dissect this a little bit. And that's really asking the right question. I think we've gotten away from asking the right question. You know, when I sat in class, I'll never forget the instructor that says, there is no dumb question. And then the the instructor will ask a question. And, And I'm the one just... You know, tapping my leg, I'm like, well, somebody please speak up and ask the question because I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't want to be the one who's embarrassed by asking what appears to be a dumb question. 
And as we grow older and older and older, we just stop asking questions. And because of that, we stop coming to a full understanding of what it is that God's trying to teach us. Some of those right questions might simply be this. What is the appropriate response for me in this moment? Do you know how many situations in life that could apply to? The woman I saw yesterday at the post office with her three, four, five-year-old kid clinging to her waist, begging for money. And I wasn't in a position to really actually communicate with her, but I went in and some other guy ended up communicating with her. But I was just thinking, wow, you're, you're endangering your child here. This is a crazy place for you to be. And it was right there on the corner of traffic and his kid's just running around out of control. And what is the appropriate response for me in this moment? If I just ask that one question, maybe God and somehow I would, I would grasp what it is he's trying to share with me. What is truth? How far are you willing to go to know truth? I love the book that Rick Warren wrote not long ago, Purpose Driven Life. It was based on the question, what is my purpose and what on earth am I here for? You remember that? That was the genesis of the book. But what good is that question if you don't first ask this question? How far are you willing to go to know truth? Because if you're not willing to go very far to know truth, it doesn't matter what your purpose is. It doesn't matter what you're here on earth for because you're not really interested in truth. Truth splits and divides deception and wannabe, should be, could be. We layer our lives in every layer of life from business to social to social media. Gosh, if I could only be as famous as my Facebook page. If people could respect me as much as my Twitter feed, somehow people would like me. It's all the little things. John eight forty four. I love this, says, and this is the inventor of lie. You belong to your father. And this is Jesus speaking to his Jew- Jewish opponents back in his day. And he said, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. Now, if I'm going to invent something, it'd be kind of cool to invent the light bulb or the car or the bicycle or an airplane or all those things. But could you imagine being the inventor of the lie what are you best known for i'm the father of lies is that a lie no that's the truth but i am the father of lies i mean really think about this for a second jesus was making a clear distinction between right and wrong true false light and darkness he said you belong to your father and what's interesting about this is that these were this this horde of jewish leaders who actually took a position that we know our father abraham We're not illegitimate sons, really. And all your learning and all your life and every day that God has given you the privilege to be alive and you wake up and sometimes you pray, you shower, you take care of yourself, you get ready for work, you get ready for class, you go do your run your errands, you you go about your day and all the grind of your day and you stack those up like Lego blocks over and over and over. Some of us have many Lego blocks of days stacked up, some of us have fewer. But that's not the point. At the end of the day, and all your learning, can you say that you honestly understand God more today than when you first began? It's kind of a weird thing. It's the quiet room. Oh my gosh, uh, do I understand God? No. Do I love God? Yeah. Do I want to be obedient to God? Huh? Do I want to lie about it? <clears throat> the art of the lie was birthed from an inventor, the father of lies, and This whole idea of perspective has everything to do with how we're going to live our lives. 
I just wonder right now, if we walked in a big, humongous elephant, and we had the elephant facing my way, and every one of you sat around this elephant, and I gave you a, a notepad and a pen, and said, I want you to look straight ahead and write what you see. Some of you would say, wow, I see a big flappy thing. Wow, there's this long thing that keeps moving. Some of you would be like, wow, there's a big butt in my face. Uh, Others would say, there's a tiny eyeball looking right at me. Which one of you would be right? Every single one of you would be right. You would just have a completely different perspective. A completely different vantage point, a different angle at how you see things. But yet it's amazing when we come into a place of testimony that our testimonies are so radically different. Our so-called interpretation, your interpretation, God says, doesn't lie. He didn't say lie. There's conditions for that. There is no condition. There's no conditions established in Scripture where it is actually appropriate to lie. It's okay to lie. We call them little white lies. We kind of dumb things down a little bit or convenient lies. We lie on our resumes. We talk about things we've accomplished. We overlook things where we failed. We lie on our history. We talk about where we've been, what we saw, what we did when we were there. All to bolster this idea that we're bigger, better than we really are. And the truth is, is that God never had a model for us to become a bigger, better, broken version of ourselves by building up a house of cards that won't stand. Does that make any sense to you? I mean, it's very easy to do that, and yet... I love what Ephesians 4.25 talks about us putting away lying. Put it away like trash. Not like put it away for a rainy day. Like I'm going to save this little bit of money. Let's put it in the cupboard. And when, when a rainy day comes, we'll have it. No, put it away. Throw it away. Literally, dispose of it. Put it away and speak truth with one another. Now speaking truth with one another is one of these dynamic things that I, it just mind boggles me. So how are you doing? Well, you know, actually... I'm doing all right, but I'm dealing with a few things. That might be enough truth. Truth doesn't mean you have to spill your guts and every single thing that's going on in your life to every single person who asks. Because there is another layer of something called discernment and understanding that not everyone needs to understand nor know your business. Now that does make sense, true, And that's a good thing. Praise God for protecting us in that regard. Jeremiah 17, 9, I love this. The heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. Who can understand it? We have an unhealthy, ungodly, high opinion of ourselves. We have an absolutely atrocious, high opinion of ourselves. I am all that. You the man. No, you the man. No, you the man. No, you the man. No, you the man. And you can go back and forth with that rhetorical scenario, but the reality is that this truth doesn't help support us as a person and our behavior outside of God's will. So if Satan was the inventor of the lie and our heart is deceitful and wicked above all things, do we have a hope? We most certainly have a hope. The hope isn't in really just wanting to or intending to or wishing I could. The hope is in knowing that Christ completed his perfect purpose in, in paying for sin. All of it. Not part of it. Christ didn't come in and die for part of our sin because we would be really messed up if we did. You know, could you imagine? It is almost finished. I mean, Jesus didn't say it's almost finished. Lord, I'm only willing to give 92.5%. 
you know, they're going to have to chalk up the rest. No, it is finished. It was completed. And what I love about this is that we move into this area of what I call practicing lies. So we talk about first the inventor or the father of lies, and then there's the practice of lies or actually putting it into motion and rehearsing it over and over. I ask young people this all the time, and this is a question for you. What is the purpose of practice? What's the point? You know what most people say all the time to get better? That's a very good answer. Not, not quite. What is the purpose? I want you to think about the question. What is the point of practice? Some of you soccer moms, you take your kids to soccer practice and they practice. A coach teaches them to play the, to play the game, to understand the rules, to, to win. What is the point of practice? To improve is close. I want you to grasp this concept. The point of practice is really to be perfect, to master. Do you understand? That's the whole point of practice. Why do you get together and practice? Why? Because I just want to see the guys. I just want to hang out with my friends. No, it is to master. But yet there's another side of practice as well. It's it's that practice of infrastructure. Maybe if you're in a consulting business, you understand I've got a law practice or a medical practice or a consulting practice. So we're talking about knowledge centers and infrastructure. But on the other hand, there's the application and real world ownership. And that's the kind of practice that I'm talking about. So to answer this, to master it, I want you to go all the way back to the garden. When Satan was talking to Adam and Eve, and many will say, well, it was Eve who sinned first. Well, Adam was the lame guy who sat back and watched his wife have this conversation so that he could always have an excuse that the woman you gave me did it. That didn't work. Okay, so they were both in sin. But before you actually practice sin, you've got to rehearse it. Has anyone ever been upset with someone, but in your mind, you have visualized yourself choking them? You just, you are going superhero crazy status to kind of get and vent out your your feelings. But the truth is, is you don't carry that out. Why don't you carry that out? Conscience is one. Yeah, absolutely. Why else don't you carry that out? The ninth fruit of the Spirit. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness self-control against such things there is no law without self-control could you possibly imagine how chaotic and bizarre things would be in life someone crosses you you just cross them out child disobeys you just replace them you know you don't like something you just let everyone know it and we hear people say things like oh i just i just speak my mind i just tell it like it is no you're just mean no, you're, you're just, you have no discernment. It's not about telling it like it is, as if that person would be the authority on every given topic and theme in life. What I want to do is give you an opportunity to listen, w- listen and watch this, this short clip. So prep that clip, because this is, this is something particularly bent for you women today. But guys, you really need to pay attention very closely to not only what's said, but how it's said about our perception on truth. Perception. It's reality in the eyes of the beholder. Here's some sniffling going on. It's kind of hard to see that and not overlay that on my own life. You know, when I was younger, and it wasn't just younger, but I didn't grow up with my dad. 
many of you know that, and, and yet the effects on me have been really profound because when I see other dads, other men, in particular the areas where I have failed as a dad, I mean I have epically failed. I see the, the dynamic of what God has created a father for and the role of the father to his children, particularly his daughters. I guess I blessed out or lucked out with a tomboy girl in the middle, but it was that oldest one, ultra girly girl, that I have never made that right connection. Excuses would say, well, we're so much alike, we just clash and bash heads. And maybe that's been your excuse. So the default reasoning is to, why try? But yet we say the same things maybe as a husband to a wife or a wife to a husband or a husband to a, a child or a coworker or whatever the case we may be. We build up these fiefdoms, these columns, these coliseums of perception, this fake idea that we're not good enough. Did you see the the first woman's brutal account of herself? Dragging out things that maybe in some way they're there, but they're not there. It's not the point. Oh my gosh, Granny, look at the big wart you have. No one's centering in on that thing. They're attracted to you because of your heart. They're attracted to you because of your person your passion, the hope that you bring. You know, I often say there are two types of folk, people in life, and, and we tend to kind of navigate in this, and it's not just that there are two, so please don't take that as some scientific reasoning that I come up with this generic rule, but I'm just saying you're either imparting life into others or you're sucking life out of someone. When we suck life out of people, we call those kinds of people high maintenance. Drama kings, drama queens. Just when they come around, you know they're going to suck life out of you because it's so laboring. But there's always that refreshment time when someone pours hope into your life. And lies will never give you the ability to be able to accurately discern truth. Here's a good question. What's the upside of a lie? What's the best that a lie can give you? Can a lie get you out of a speeding ticket? Can a lie get you a good grade on a final? Can a lie get you a dream job? So what's the upside of a lie? What's the best that a lie can perform? I know this answer may seem a little weird and bizarre, but the best that a lie can produce is death. A lie in itself is disobedient to God's word. It's very clear. Do not bear false witness against your neighbor. So then bears, what is the right question? Who's my neighbor? What is a lie? Let's make sure we're talking about the same things because if that's a lie, then there's an equal and opposite to that lie and that would be truth. Truly, truly, I say to you, you've heard Jesus describe this over and over when he's speaking truth. Why? Because we live in such a society based upon lies. How many of you watch American Idol? Yeah. 
I'm lying if I don't put my hand up. Yeah, I get it. What is the point of that? What is the point of so-called reality television? We stop asking the question, what's the point? So that I can become famous. So that people will affirm me. So that people will love me and they will like me. And if they like me, then everything will be okay. Do you understand that? I mean, at the end of the day, that's it. We might say, oh, this is entertainment. It's kind of funny. And I like to watch the people who really can't sing so that they can march off and the cameras can follow them and they can do something dumb. No, the whole point is to be famous. Because if you're famous, then everything will be fixed. And if it's fixed, you'll be okay. Do you get that? This is the society that we're building up in America today because when we look to our politicians, we say, that person lied. Well, they never said they were telling the truth. We don't look to the absolute source of truth. We, we, we put it on people and we say, you lied to me. Well, I never really said I was going to tell you the truth, but you took it as truth. I promise. Promises don't matter. When God says very clearly, do not bear false witness against your neighbor. Listen to this. So freedom of lies. So the first thing that I want to recover this is this. We talk about the author of lies. We talk about the practice of lies. And now we kind of change the, the dynamics a little bit. And we go to the freedom from lies, not the freedom of lies, because there is no upside to it. Ephesians 4.25. Therefore, each one of you put away all falsehood or speaking lies. And speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. This is what I love about this. When I walk out of here, just like eventually you will walk out of the sanctuary, you'll get in your car, you'll get your kids, you'll go on to the rest of your day, and you'll have your schedule all set up. The one thing you should be able to take away is, I didn't just hear about lies or the purpose of lies. There's a lot of this you don't even need to have re-rehearsed again. You get what a lie is. Every one of you understand it intellectually. The real issue is, do you understand it within your worldview? Because a lot of times we pray and we actually pray in the spirit of unbelief. It's what I call pregging. It's praying and begging. And we're just, Lord, will you I pray. And I'm sure the Lord's like, what? And he doesn't speak seal or kangaroo. Like, please, get it out. So as we're pregging and we're just, Lord, just, and we're just begging as if pray hard. That means to flex when you pray. What does that mean? When we pray, we pray with an expectant spirit that God is going to be a faithful rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We pray already believing. Like, wait a second. Did you ever actually think everything was supposed to line up perfectly? Now, many of you know I've just made this really life-changing transition, and I thought it would be a little bit easier than it has, but the cool thing about it is, is now I have to live exactly what I'm talking about. I always say, I reserve the right to cry another day. <laughs> you know, I'll save that one till tomorrow. Uh, God is so good. He deliberately puts us in places where we have to depend upon him. Really, if it was about me and what I could go make happen, you know, during my, my business career, I, I'll never forget this. Cash is king. Go make it happen. Go make it happen. Go make it happen. As if we had hired a bunch of people who knew how to go make it happen. I don't have the ability to make anything happen. You can try, try, and try and still fail. But God says, this is not about your trying or your attempting. Just be. When you pray, believe. Not pray in unbelief. You might as well be praying to the wind. Oh, wind. I can't see you, but I'm sure you're there. 
You're just guessing. You don't know whether it's coming nor going. So we, we have to ask ourselves, where do we go from here? And this is one step. Know the truth. John 8, 31, 32. And I love this one. To Jesus, to the Jews, I'm sorry, who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Wow, that's pretty cool. So that's a condition. So if I hold to your teachings, I'm your disciple. Okay, that's what I want to be. Then he finishes up with this and he says, then you will know the truth. And you heard this one because they so overuse it in Hollywood. And the truth shall set you free. And the Lord said, you know, you kind of want to drive it home like you, like you really mean it. No, really. There's the first part of that that most people seem to drop off. It says, if you hold to my teachings. That's it. Just that first, if you hold to my teachings. Hold doesn't mean to you walk around like this with a Bible in your hand. Hold on. Be, be careful. Shh. The Bible's in my hands. No. If you hold it in your heart, in your soul, and it becomes the way you think, the way you see, the perception you have. You know, I'm six foot two and a half. And when I played football, it was all about, you know, guys would say um, six, two and a half because there's a ratio once you're at certain six foot or below. Six, two and a half, two, twenty-two and three quarters. You know, guys are like adding on ounces, you know, and then they'll, they'll hold a, you know, a Coke in their hand or something. Um, actually, two, twenty-four and three quarters now. You know, it's, it's all about how you look at it, right? You know, just adding weight or adding bulk or adding size or adding knowledge or adding depth or adding experience. Whatever it is you think you can add, Jesus makes it very clear. If you hold to my teaching, then you'll be my disciples. Now, for all you math whiz, you know that's that word question that I so hated in high school. Like, oh my gosh, not another story train. If one train is traveling at 40 miles an hour eastbound, you know, it's like, please don't go there. What my thing? But Jesus made it simple. If you hold to my teachings, then you'll be my disciples. You'll know the truth, and this is important. The truth will set you free. So I love this because, I don't know if you caught this. Uh, matter of fact, this was early this morning. There was that uh, Philadelphia collapse, that building collapse. Anybody catch that? No? Okay. Uh, several people died in that. Uh, well, this morning I saw the, the clip Reuters put out that uh, a heavy crane operator turned himself in. It, it, he was suspected as having been high on marijuana. So the conviction of him holding on to this lie that because of his malpractice resulted in at least six people dying in a building coming down. That's pretty serious stuff. That's pretty serious stuff. And we see this in so many different places in life. There's always things where we, we have to question, would I turn in my own son? Would I turn in my own daughter? Would I turn in my wife? Would I turn in my husband? Jesus makes clear. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. I'm never, it never ceases to amaze me at these deathbed confessions where someone feels the burning desire to come clean with things they've held on to for a lifetime. At a time and a moment when they are convinced they are about to die. You know, you don't have to wait until the end of your life or what you perceive as the end of your life to get right. The art of the lie, the idea of the lie was... <laughs> not birthed in us, but I'll tell you, we sure do know how to practice it and make it a part of our worldview, becoming a part of our character, and we certainly want to align our thoughts with what's true. So practicing truth, I talk about the art of practicing, the point of practicing is to master, to become perfect, to take ownership, to exceed all others. Philippians 4, 8, and 9, and I love this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, 
whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, and whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. I love this. So it's the six things he talks about putting into practice. And he, says, and he finishes up, Paul says, and the God of peace will be with you. So if you want the God of peace to be with you, just whatever is true, noble, right, pure, whatever is lovely and admirable. Now, words like noble and nobility, we don't really use that every day. I don't know the last time you used the word noble or even use the word admirable or even lovely. Oh, that's lovely. But Paul begins out, whatever is true. There's a clear distinction in a number one position for importance. Whatever is true, I want you to set your mind on these things and then practice it. Practice it till it doesn't ever get old. And the one thing that Paul writes to his younger understudy, Timothy, and I love it in, in 2 Timothy 4.1.2, he says, Before God in Christ Jesus, who is going to judge both the living and the dead? Before heaven, I, I, I give you this one thing. I want you to do this one thing. Just preach the word both in season and out of season. Some translations literally says when it's convenient and when it's not convenient. Do the truth. Speak the truth. Preach the word. Live the word. Be the word. Whether it's convenient for you or whether it's not convenient for you. Because there is an author of lies. But, you know, I remember when I was growing up, and this is kind of really predates me, but there was this guy flip wilson and i'll never forget oh the devil made me do it you know the devil doesn't make us do anything i'm actually convinced sometimes we actually maybe surprise the devil with some of the stuff we come up with it's like wow i didn't really think of that that's pretty good gotta log that one down you know kind of thing be careful that you don't point and shift blame to the devil the devil is the father of lies but we actually invent new ways by practicing them you know many times we look at scripture and there's such a movement this isn't an American thing, although we certainly see it now more than ever. But, you know, when we go to, to Africa or, or other places outside of, of America, it's kind of amazing what happens when you, you no longer have the United States Constitution as so-called your, your basis for reason and rationale and, and, and relationships within the dynamics of people and infrastructure and government. And you, you look at other countries and nations and you say, wow, this is extreme poverty. This is, this is ridiculous poverty. As a matter of fact, how do you guys live that way? And then I have some of them say, how do you live in America? How do you make it in America? I mean, Lee will tell you, we're out in some of the dingiest, dirtiest, stinkingest villages, and they look at us and say, they have such incredible hope and joy. We'll walk miles one way, barefoot, in the rain to get to a church without a roof. Walls made of mud and dung, it's crazy. And they're just living, just being what God's called them to be. So the American dream is predicated on the idea, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's about lifting up ourselves. That's about us supporting ourselves. But on the back end, biblical truth is very different. It's about us lifting up and glorifying Christ, glorifying God. Wait a second, those two do not marry. There is a deception with one. There is a lie that this is really your true hope. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, that doesn't say much for the millions of people around the globe, particularly in China, who are probably being tortured this very moment for their faith in Christ. Right now. What does that life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness say to them? 
Is that in fact truth? It's a great idea, don't get me wrong, but it's not truth. I understand where it came from and I understand its purpose, but it's not truth. Biblical perspective calls us back to our Father so that we can live in truth and it involves discernment, wisdom, and the courage to carry it out. Discernment, God's wisdom, and the courage to carry it out. What good is recognizing something that is an error if you don't engage? God gives us the ability when we know truth to speak up, speak out, or shut up. You've ever heard of that phrase, know when to pick your fights? Yeah. I always tell guys, because I'm still learning this, I haven't learned with an ED, I'm learning, this is active, ongoing investigation. Do I want to be right or do I want to be married? Much love for you, baby. (laughs) She's over there like, you better get it right. Um, Know when to pick your fights. Not everything requires an answer. You know, my oldest daughter and I, we, we have this thing. It's really kind of interesting because we process vocally. Now, if you are a person who doesn't process vocally you'll be frustrated around us because we talk things out almost in dimensions. So it's as if I'm actually rehearsing multiple points of views to solve problems. That's how I've always been. And if you get around us, we're we're talking about stuff, but you take it as being real. Oh my gosh, you're going to do like 92,000 things. How are you going to do it? And and when Tiffany and I are together, we 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 process it. Boom, it's good. Put it in the trash can, put it back in the pocket, and let's go. Everyone's like, uh, how are we going to do all that? Where are we going? What, 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 what got solved? But then at the end of the day, there's something to be said about, okay, let, let's put that in order so that others around us may understand exactly what we were talking about. A lot of times, I'm comfortable. You must be comfortable. I say to my wife sometimes at 7.30, hey, hey babe, we, we going to eat dinner? She's like, no, I'm full. <laughs> I'm like... Oh, that's right, because you're full, everyone else is full too. Wow. Macaroni and cheese it is. All right. No, I love, I'm going to get killed after today. So can I get a police escort home, please? (laughs) Oh, my Lord. Much, much love for you. Let me conclude in this. This is a really important thing, guys. A lot of you have come up to me and you've asked, so how am I doing? Some of my responses have gone from, I'm doing, to, I'm hanging in there, to, I'm doing all right. Truth is, it's tough looking for work, particularly for me, the kind of work that I think God's calling me to. But That's okay. I don't need you worrying about me. I just need you to come up alongside me. Just pray for me. I have great love for you. I've got great love for this church. Let's dispel a few myths. Lies. Oh, Egypt, I don't know how long you're going to be here. This is my home church, guys. This is my home church. This is where I'm at. Now, let's be very clear. When God says to do something, I'm going to do it. That, that doesn't mean that he isn't going to say you're, you're bugging out. But there is no indication of that. 
There's no indication of that. I love this church. I love what this little, tiny, little church represents. It's kind of cool. Because for a little, tiny church, you know, we get to do things that bigger churches really don't. Larger church infrastructures can't deploy and stretch and tweak and do some of the cool things we do. And I love what the people here are all about. You know, we got visitors coming in and, you know, you, you get pounced on. It's because we love you. And I know it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. And you might be thinking, I don't think I'm coming back there. Please do come back because we love you. You can't really be here at Lighthouse and be what I call a transitional member. That's one thing I love about it. I don't do church. I am the church. You, you, do you get that? I'm not, because you could take that the wrong way. Is Egypt speaking sacrilegious? Is he now God? Has he elevated himself to? <laughs> no, I am the church. You are the church. We are the body. I don't do church. The, <laughs> how are you? I'm good. <laughs> My latte, I'm good. <laughs> I don't do that. Wherever I'm at, I got to serve. I got to be a part of what God is doing because he has a greater calling for us. It's not about showing up on Sunday and then disappearing Monday through Saturday. I'm the church all seven days a week. Some days I have great days. Some days I don't have so great days. Some days I just have total implode days. Just being honest, you wanted the truth. There you go. I'm not Superman. I tried to be on Skid Row when I take you guys down there because I got to be in that protector role. You know what I mean? But uh, I love you and I love this place and I love our pastor. That is, you're Barnabas. You've always been my Barnabas. And I love you guys. Speak truth with one another. Put aside falsehood. Throw it in the trash. And I know it's tough because for so long it's been a teddy bear. It's been so cuddly. It's been convenient. I actually had an opportunity to spit out a lie yesterday while in the gym. And I'm like, wow, Lord, you, you love doing this on weeks where I actually have to preach on this particular <laughs> subject. And it was over something really pathetic and stupid. Some guy was asking me about my headphones as I was working out. Oh, cool headphones. Do you like Bose? And I was like about to say, I've heard of him. Yeah, it's good, man. And I'll let it go. It was just like, wow. I was about to just tweak that story just enough to look cool to this guy who doesn't even care. Doesn't even care. But God cares because he loves you. And I think we've forgotten that. I want you to say these words right now. I am made in the image of God. And my God loves me. And I love him. And I'm beautiful. Now, some of you cringed your teeth saying that because you're like, I'm still 40 and I have some crow's feet and going on. I have a big nose and a big chin. And it's like, stop it. Stop it. Come on. You're exactly who you're supposed to be. And if you really knew what you saw on television and on billboards, 99.9% of photos being photoshopped, Glenn Owen will tell you that stuff's not real. People don't have necks that thin and, you know, bodies that shape. They get close, but they're not, that's not what you see. Truth is, do you know Jesus? If you don't, that's what we're here for.
Speak the truth. Don't lie. Don't lie even when you want to. Even when you're just desperate to. Ask yourself the right question. What's the appropriate response for me in this moment? How should I respond, Lord? Every moment's a little bit different. Pray with me as our worship team comes up. Actually, as our ushers as well come forward, I'm going to close this in prayer. Father, I want to thank you for this morning. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed right now, I'm just going to ask you for a moment just not to look around, not to you know, think that you know the outcome of this specific prayer, but I'm just going to ask you to take a moment and just confess to God that you are in desperate need of his help today. Ask him to touch your lips. Touch your tongue, touch your heart. And give you a new purpose and a new will to do his will. Thank you, Father, for every soul that is in this place. Don't let a single one of us leave different than the way we walked in. Father, we thank you that in spite of us, you saved us. Your word is so clear that you demonstrate your love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that is reason to celebrate today. So as we prepare our offerings, our gifts, as we prepare for a time of worship, as we come to conclusion of our time of corporate fellowship together, consume this place, every square inch of it. Consume every low level of our DNA, Lord overflow from us the hope that comes in knowing the truth that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.